listener, it has been a while, and I'm excited to be back. I keep meaning to record every single week, and I've been absolutely swamped, so I'm pretty excited to actually have the time carved out to be able to sit down and share something that I think is really powerful with you, which is the science of nutrition, the five indisputable laws. And I think these could be really refreshing for a lot of people because uh, health can be convoluted and difficult and there's so many different people out there teaching so many different things but at the end of the day what I have found in my own life is I can have a surprisingly high level of nutrition without doing many complicated things or spending much money on you know foods or shakes or whatever I eat normal food from a grocery store I take a supplement I have a supplement strategy I exercise and I have found really great fulfillment from the basics. And if that resonates with you, I think you'll really like what I'm going to talk to you about today. So first of all, uh, how how can I claim uh, that something is indisputable scientifically in the nutritional field when there are so many voices out there? Well, uh, I've done a blog post on this, actually. So if you go to blog.dirobi.com or go to the homepage and click on uh, the link from there. Actually, I think it's called podcast because we put all of our podcast episodes on the blog. Either way, um, blog.dirobi.com is probably the easiest. Or if you Googled science of nutrition, the five indisputable laws, Dirobi, that should pop right up. I have given visuals and scientific backup for what I'm about to talk about there. And there's a pyramid called the hierarchy of evidence that I think you'll find really interesting. If you're scientifically minded and you really like to know what's true and not just what sounds good or is kind of the flavor of the day when it comes to science, the science of nutrition, fitness, whatever. That hierarchy of evidence, I think, is a powerful little pyramid. And it'll help you understand scientific studies. And it'll, it'll show you at the bottom of the, of the pyramid, uh, and what there is the most of, are called case studies and reports. And these, of course, are kind of anecdotal kind of things where a little bit of research is done, a handful of people are usually involved, and it's not like a peer-reviewed scientific study. Uh, But then right above that, there are three higher tiers that all fall under the realm of observational research. And these are the cross-sectional studies, case control studies, and cohort studies. And so these have more credibility, and these involve more people, and better scientific method. However, above those are randomized controlled trials. And these may show causation, but only under certain circumstances. So even now, with a really solid test done, it's not enough that we can call something indisputable scientific fact. And so the only time we can really do that is when there are meta-analyses or system, systematic reviews of all the studies. And so what these are is when people take the time who understand these studies and how they work and what the flaws are in those studies, and they look at a body of literature, and when all of it agrees, then we can say a law is scientifically valid. And so I love that because I try to be scientific in my own thinking. As a human being, I struggle as much as anybody else because we're also emotional and sometimes get caught up in emotional stories or like uh, the people that say, hey, I just tried this and it worked like a charm. You should try it. It's great. 
you know, those are great and fun. However, uh, they, they get sold to us as if it's pure science that what worked for your friend will absolutely work for you or vice versa. And so when it works for a heck of a lot of people and is studied and peer-reviewed and there's a meta-analysis, then we can put confidence in it. And the five things I'm about to share with you, every single one of them is backed up by meta-analyses. Many studies, tens of thousands of people prove that these things are things we can absolutely trust and rely on. And number one is Keiko, calories in and calories out. This is a law. This is a scientific law. We're now dealing with the the real basics of the universe, energy. A calorie, as you probably already know, is a unit of energy. We get energy from our food. And when we consume more energy than we burn, eventually we're going to lose weight. Now, some of you might be saying, but Dave, you have said before that Keiko uh, isn't always accurate or true, or you may have heard me kind of poo-poo Keiko because, uh, especially in the weight loss arena, people who set out to consume less calories uh, often don't immediately lose weight in a straight line down kind of fashion on a graph. You know, you picture a graph in your mind of starting off at, say, 200 pounds, you want to get down to 150, and you just want to start your diet and see if we charted it out every single day for the next, say, six months. It just goes down one little dot at a time, and when we connect all the dots, it's just a straight down arrow. And weight loss, frustratingly, doesn't work that way because there are other um, uh, scientifically-based things at play, but it works eventually. So, Just because you don't lose any weight in your first week and you're convinced that you're eating less calories and you're exercising and you should have, uh, there's also stress, there's hormones, there's things that in the body mechanisms that cause your body to hold on to weight. There's a variety of other things that will happen. However, sooner or later, you must consume less energy than you burn for you to lose weight sooner or later. It might be frustrating for the first few weeks or even months. But sooner or later, Keiko, calories in, calories out, is a law. It is an energy balance equation. And so addressing all those other things, as I've talked about in other places, of course, is important. However, there's no way that we can take in more calories than we burn and lose weight and be healthy sooner or later. We can trick our systems for a little while, but then they'll come back to bite us. So that's number one. And so being aware, now I'm not saying to be a calorie counter either. Fact is, if you, if you simply eat whole foods and cut down on processed foods and eliminate some of the foods that are very calorically dense, that this doesn't have to be very difficult. But sooner or later, it does have to be part of your health equation or you're not going to reach your goals. Number two, and this one is powerful, protein is the most vital macronutrient to get right. I find this fascinating. I find it true for myself. I found it true for every client that I have coached. And I bet you will find it true as well. We tend to be a carb-addicted society. We take in too many sugars. We take in too many carbs. We take in too many of the wrong types of carbs. And we take them in at the wrong times. And so simply taking in more protein while reducing carbs 
is a fascinating and easy experiment to do personally that you can prove to yourself fairly quickly that this will work for you. Now, if you're like me and you're over 40, uh, what you'll find is not only is this good for weight loss, but it's fantastic in a lot of other areas. For example, protein is the building block of our body. So if you have joint pain, if you're losing muscle mass, that, that right there could be because you're not taking in enough protein. And when you reverse that and you start making a high percentage of your diet protein, you are supporting multiple systems in your body. One study, and I did a short on this on YouTube recently, found that two diet groups who are on the same diet and the same amount of calories, one of them got 30% of their diet from protein and the other got 15% of their diet, their, their, their caloric intake from, from protein. So one got twice as much protein. And 60 days later, they both lost weight. But the group who had doubled their protein lost 11 pounds more in 60 days than the other group. So this is a powerful principle for weight loss, but it's also a powerful principle for longevity. It's also a short-term powerful principle because protein is filling. And isn't it great when we eat a meal and feel full and satiated for a while until our next meal? That doesn't happen on carbs, which is why people who eat too many carbs tend to also put on weight because they get hungry faster and they eat more calories. As a matter of fact, in that same study I just mentioned, the people who doubled their protein ate 450 calories less per day than the other group. And it was easy for them. They reported feeling just as satiated. Nutritional law number three, I've already alluded to this one. It's humans are healthiest when they eat whole foods. The more processed foods we eat, the less healthy we will be. Now there's a continuum here. We all process food. If I make a green smoothie and I drop whole foods into my blender and hit, hit the smoothie button, I'm processing food. Okay, so that's one level of processing. The fact is chewing our food is part of the processing, uh, you know, also partly processing food. Uh, however, uh, one of the things you can think through is when you're eating a food, think to yourself, can I make this in my kitchen? Like, for example, one of my treat foods that I have on occasion, not too often, but I love it when I have it during a football game or something, is jalapeno cheddar Cheetos. Those things are like kryptonite to my any Superman abilities I have. Jalapeno cheddar Cheetos with a soda is one of my favorite treats. Again, I try to not have it too often. But when I ask myself the question, could I go into my kitchen and make jalapeno cheddar Cheetos and a Diet Coke? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I can't. I can't make it. And, and so this is a great question for you to ask yourself when you're eating foods. Uh, for example, if I'm eating, uh, I had canned fruit this morning as part of my breakfast uh, with uh, its own, you know, not, with, without sugary syrup, just in its own juice. Can I make that? Yes, I can. I can cut up fruit and I can, you know, boil it and put it into a container and seal it and preserve it. I can do that myself in my own kitchen. That's a level of processing that doesn't hurt the food that much. Canned foods tend to be about 80 to 90% as healthy as uncanned foods. 
Uh, and if you believe that, if you don't believe that, you can you can uh, use the Google to research that for yourself. It's a study that I've done in the past, and I'm fairly convinced for myself at least that that canned food. Now again, there's canned foods and there's canned foods. Now, now something that's like uh, I just talked about fruit and its own juice. That's one thing, but chili with two thousand milligrams of of sodium. That's a different canned food. So let's just be clear here. Canned vegetables, canned whole foods, okay, are just slightly less healthy than the originals. And so using that continuum, try to eat whole foods that are minimally processed. And that allows for you to buy all kinds of great foods, as I do, from your grocery store and from Costco and from Amazon. Uh, Sometimes it's like, uh, for example, I love beets. But sometimes I can't even get beets at the grocery store. But guess what I can get all year round is beet powder. It's quite inexpensive. And when I can't eat whole beets, I eat a, about a half tablespoon of beets every single day in at least one of my drinks because I'm that convinced it's a fantastic product. It's the same with maca powder. I want maca every single day. It's why we put it in Mimi's Miracle Multi, actually. Some of you may not know that, but the reason we have 300 milligrams of maca is because we also feel it's a daily. If you can get it every single day. Is it processed? Yes. But just from the root into a powder. The beetroot into a powder, maca into a powder, minimally processed whole food. That's scientifically law, a scientific law number three. Now, let's move on to number four. Eat your fruit and veggies. This is an indisputable law that we need to get a lot of our food intake from fruits and vegetables. Now, this one might be highly disappointing to some of you, as it is to me. I'm going to admit it. Do you know how how often in my life I crave a salad? Uh, let me just tell you. Never. I never, ever crave a salad. As a matter of fact, I go through a shame and guilt process in almost every restaurant I go to with my wife because I want the burger and the fries, but I should have the salad, right? That's what happens. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I consider myself a fairly healthy person. And yet the craving for the greasy, salty food has never gone away for me. And so I have that battle all the time. And sometimes I lose. I can find I find that if I can I can have a burger meal two or three times a month and it doesn't hurt me and I can I, I can achieve my maintain my ideal body weight and my strength goals and longevity goals and everything that I'm I'm working on uh, by having a few meals like that. But more often I have to choose the veggies. Now there's ways that we can do that that are delicious. And Actually, I find it interesting that the average American gets only uh, two and a half servings of fruits and veggies per day, and that those are mostly comprised of potatoes, carrots, and corn, because the fact is that once you commit to vegetables and fruits, there are so many better choices out there. Like, for example, just to switch to sweet potatoes, to me, is a huge upgrade from a regular potato. I like a baked potato as much as anybody else, but at lunchtime, I can throw a sweet potato in the microwave for four minutes, flip it over, do it another four minutes. And there's something about the texture, the taste, a little tiny bit of butter and some salt on that thing. And it's absolutely delicious. So as much as I say that I have to kind of, you know, I don't crave vegetables, but when I make the healthy choice, I do enjoy them. And so that's kind of where I'm at uh, is it's still not natural to me 
to want to have vegetables as my mainstay. But uh, when I make those healthy choices and start eating them, I do enjoy them. And possibly that's true for many people raised in a first world country with salty, greasy food and, and sugary foods where we were raised with those tastes and they're more powerful tastes than the, the tastes from fruits and vegetables. Some other things I'm doing, uh, as a matter of fact, my grandkids are here right now. I ask them to be quiet while I go and record a quick, uh, uh, record this podcast and then we'll play. Uh, but meantime, when they got here, I was having my breakfast, and I had pulled out of the fridge some mangoes, blueberries, and strawberries. Now, I buy those things at Costco. Uh, well, I buy those, the organic only, because thin-skinned vegetables and fruits are the ones that just suck up the, the chemicals, right? So I buy organic of those things. Happily, they're a lot less expensive than they used to be. I think they're around 10 bucks a bag for a big bag, you know, several pounds, of blueberries, mango, strawberries, and all the other veggies at Costco or your favorite grocery store. And what I do is I take those things and I dump them into Tupperwares. And then this morning to get fruit and veggie with my breakfast, I pulled those things out and my grandkids are watching me do this because I had breakfast about 10. So they're sitting here and, and watching me prepare my food. And like, Grandpa, can we have some? I was like, I was like sure. And I what I had done is taken my bowl and put some blueberries, mango, and strawberries into the bowl, made myself a little fruit salad. And I made one up for them, put it in the bowl, and they sat there and they just loved it. They, it's delicious. And so just taking the frozen, having the frozen, having them always in your freezer, dumping some into some Tupperware containers, and putting them in the fridge so that you always have something ready to make up a quick, either a salad, or maybe I just have mango by itself or strawberries by itself, etc. Ready to eat makes it highly convenient for me to get those fruits and veggies. So make sure that your fridge is always stocked with fruits and veggies and your freezer too. Another favorite, I, I love peas. And uh, last night as I, I cooked dinner for my wife and I, I will often take and put just a little bit of water in the bottom of a bowl, a microwave-safe bowl, uh, fill it up with peas. I like a healthy size portion. And I know about how much she likes, so I put that much in the bowl put it in the microwave for about four minutes on high with a, a cover over it, a microwave-safe cover, and it cooks the peas just perfectly and then just dump them out on the plate. So as you can tell, I'm, I really want to follow these nutritional laws and I want to do it in a convenient way. And I find that if it's not easy, if it's not access accessible, it's not going to happen. And so these are some of the things that I've done. And eating more fruits and veggies than the average American has multiple benefits. We're talking disease prevention, including the biggies, cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease. Your risk of all those goes down. We know this when you replace unhealthy foods with healthy veggies and um, uh, uh, fruits. Uh, next is weight management. We know that people who eat these foods also weigh less and have a less problem with obesity. Improved mental health, including memory. And so these are big benefits. And uh, and even though I know they are, maybe you're like me where I kind of have to work at it. It's I, I'm still a work in progress. Uh, the other thing I do, and this is, I, I consider it cheating, but a really, really great cheat, is I take our, our uh, greens and reds superfood. And whether you use our product, which I'd love it if you do, but whatever, find a great greens powder. 
using a greens powder is an easy cheat. It's a healthy cheat. It's a great idea. I know a lot of people love athletic greens. I think they're overpriced. I think our reds and greens is better for almost half the price. Uh, however, you might have your own hookup, your own thing. doesn't matter. But I think those things are worth two to five servings of fruits and veggies because, you, because first of all, they put a variety in there I could never do. Remember I said about, can you make it in your kitchen? Well, this is kind of the reverse, can you make it in your kitchen? This is one where it's super healthy and you probably can't make it in your kitchen. I mean, ours has greens and reds. It has mushrooms. It has nootropics. It has wheatgrass. It has spirulina. It has so many ingredients that there is absolutely no way I can pull 50-ish ingredients out of my vegetable drawer, mash them all together, and come up with a drink like this. And so add a greens drink into your diet. And this is a fantastic way to make sure you're getting enough fiber, to make sure you're getting a ton of of phytonutrients that you're never going to get. Remember what I just said? I got three fruits with breakfast this morning, blueberries, strawberries, and mango. But when I take that that, that reds and greens drink, I'm getting 50, a variety of 50 different things that have all types of different health benefits. So that's a fantastic way to cheat on the fruits and veggies arena. All right, number five is sleep. This is indisputable. There are so many studies and the meta studies all point to the same thing. You cannot achieve your highest level of health without prioritizing sleep. It's pretty much a universal law. Almost everyone agrees it's somewhere between seven and nine hours. Yes, there are exceptions. But before you assume you're the exception who can survive on six, you ought to really you know, experiment well with that. Use a sleep aid of some sort. Uh, I've got the new uh, uh, watch. I think it's watch eight is the latest. I've been really, really happy with the sleep data that I get from it. And I've been surprised. Uh, I have found that I, when I get to bed before 10 o'clock, it actually makes a major difference in how much deep sleep and core sleep that I get. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that till I measured. And so you kind of got to be humble about this one if you're overconfident about how much sleep you're getting and you think you're the outlier who can live on less. And then on the other extreme, there are people who work nights. There's people who have sleep disorders. This can be incredibly frustrating. I had insomnia for years. I know what that's like. When I was at the peak of my kind of athletic uh, abilities from uh, probably age 25 to 45, when I was able to, you know, win races and compete at a fairly high level and travel around doing these events and really, really enjoyed uh, that, that, that whole thing, I had insomnia. And there was nights before a race that I wouldn't sleep or maybe get two to three hours And I did find I could still perform, which was crazy. They say you can still perform if you didn't have a good night's sleep the night before. Apparently, two nights before is even more important than the very night before. However, man, would I have loved it if I could have got a good night's sleep before every race. So I get it. If you have trouble sleeping, I get it. But guess what I did? I did everything. I tried every every natural solution. We experimented with mattresses. We experimented with all the different, you know, uh, preparations you can do, uh, you know, using the glasses with the television, um, uh, uh, turning off lights uh, early, uh, getting off of my media, you know, at least an hour before bed, all types of things. And just finally, it kind of sorted itself out 
once I got the combo right. Um, I think a mattress is a big one. You know, we spend a third of our life on a mattress. It is well worth investing in the best mattress you can afford. Uh, I would I would get one that has a, a, a return guarantee. When you lie down on mattresses in a store, they all feel pretty good. There's just no way that you can tell until you've le- you've slept on it for two or three weeks how good it really is. It's one of the unfortunate parts of, of mattress buying. I can walk into a mattress store right now and lie down. I think on every single one, one after another, you go, huh, feels pretty good. That's kind of my reaction. Oh, this is a little firmer. This one a little softer. Oh, this one's interesting, has the foamy effect, whatever, right? But the fact is, until you've slept, we have the sleep number bed. And I think it took us six weeks of experimentation before my wife determined her number was something like 30, and I think my number's 60. But we were adjusting that thing for quite a while before we actually settled in on what was our exact right number. And so all of this type of experimentation with pre-sleep rituals, mattresses, lighting, temperature, These studies are all well worth doing to try to find out what works best for you and some form of sleep aid. I had a bad experience with the Aura Ring. I ended up sending it back before I ended up uh, settling on Apple Watch as the thing I was going to do. Now, by the way, the Apple Watch experiment, uh, the problem I have is is charging it, right? So the the battery doesn't last uh, more than 24 hours. And so I had to get in the habit of waking up and putting my my battery on a, my watch on a charger while I did my morning routine routine to keep it charged because I used to charge it all night and then wake up put it on. Um, whereas some of these devices like Aura Ring, some of the Garmin watches that have you know sleep measurements, they have batteries that last like a week. Uh, so if you're an Apple Watch user, you might want to try that trick. Get up in the morning, put it on the charger, and by the time you've done your morning routine, uh, you can put it back on and then then do your exercise with it, etc. Just a little tip there that helped me anyway. So sleep is indisputable. You have to to get a good night's sleep. Sticking to a regular sleep schedule is super helpful. Creating a bedtime routine. Avoiding caffeine after two. That one was huge for me. I love caffeine. I would sometimes have an energy drink, a natural natural energy drink like our Focus Up um, or our NeuroBoost at two or three in the afternoon. It was a nice pick-me-up. But sometimes I do them at four or five. If I knew I had something on that night and I was dragging a little bit, I'd have one of these drinks. I found out through my own experimentation, I couldn't do that anymore. I have to cut off caffeine after two. Uh, Next, avoid alcohol and large meals close to bedtime and create a good sleeping environment and limit technology before bed. These are some of the big things that you can do. So there you have it, the five indisputable scientific laws of health uh, curated by Precision Nutrition, which is where I got my health certification, and I love Precision Nutrition. I can't give them enough shout-outs. And speaking of shout-outs, I've been listening to Brad Williams' podcast, um, Health Hacks Over 40, and it's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I interviewed Brad just a few weeks ago since then. I've been listening to his podcast. I think you'd enjoy it as well. He's got some great guests. And uh, uh, if you're like me and over 40 and you're just always looking for great ways to improve your health... I think his is terrific. He keeps them down to about 10 minutes per episode, so easy to consume. Um, unlike this one that I just noticed is 27 minutes long. So if you're still with me, thank you so much uh, for listening to my podcast. I know there's real podcasts out there that you can listen to. And so if you listen to this one, thank you so much. I hope you get value out of it. And um, 
you know, make sure and save 10% at dirobi.com with the coupon code podcast if you want to buy any of the products I've mentioned in this show. And uh, that's all I have for you today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and that it helps you be healthier and happier and live longer. This is Dave Sherwin wishing you health and success.